You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. Amen. We can trust in a sheltering God. This has been uh, a tremendous summer series that uh, I have been enjoying very much. This is our fourth week we have done Joseph, who was sheltered in prison for a while and came out to lead a nation. We did Jacob, who was uh, sheltered in safety at his uncle's house and came back a changed man. We did Noah last week, who God protected and sheltered, and all he did was restart the human race. And today, we are doing David, and David was sheltered for a long time while King Saul was after him and kept him safe. So, hey, the Challoners are here. Hey, guys, good to have you. And all your kitties are here. That is awesome. Yeah, so glad to have you. So today, we're going to look at uh, David, our summer series, Subject to Change. The whole point is we're focusing on characters in the Bible who were sheltered by God during times of trouble, but came out of that sheltering time, changed for the better, ready to serve God in a great way, and indeed went on to do so. So today is David, and let me tell you, I struggled a little bit with David, and only because of for this reason. David is a summer series. He literally is a summer series. The guy had great highs and tremendous lows. He was a warrior. He was a poet. He was a musician. He was a worshiper. He, you know, he was a leader of men. He did incredible exploits. He also did some incredible things that were not so good. You know, he, he, he murdered somebody who he shouldn't have, have, have done. He, he committed adultery. But all at the end of the day, he's still known as a, as a man who was after God's heart. This is how David is described. And to try to wrap up David in one week is a little bit difficult. So what we're going to do today is look at three characteristics that I think David shows Uh, we're going to look at uh, some of his psalms, actually, but three characteristics that I think David shows, not just in the psalms that we'll read, but really throughout his whole life, lessons that uh, we can learn. Many great moments and many dark days in David's life. He wasn't a perfect man, that's for sure, but he was a person who was after God's heart, and that's what we want to be, amen? Amen. We're not perfect people, but we can be men and women who are, who are seeking God's heart. And so uh, he's a fascinating and yet contradictory man and character in so many ways. So uh, after, because we can't get into all the details, all right, you're, you're going to have to read it. If you start reading in like 1 Samuel, maybe about chapter 20, and you, you, can, you can go kind of from there, read several chapters uh, into 21 and 22 and 23, and you can see some of the more details of his life. But one of the most famous things David's famous for is what? Of course, 
fighting and killing Goliath. And so when he does that, he becomes a hero to the people. And King Saul, at that point, from the very moment that uh, David kills King Saul, there's a change in their relationship. David had already been serving in Saul's court. He had been playing music when it says a tormenting spirit would come on Saul. You see, God had already abandoned Saul because of his disobedience and his, and his stubbornness. And, and God had already walked away. And the spirit would come and torment Saul. And somebody said to him, listen, you need somebody who can play and, and just basically minister in an, in an anointed way. And then when this spirit comes, this will bring relief and comfort to you. And so that's when David was brought in. He was not only a great musician, but he was an anointed musician who literally drove evil spirits out of the room. And so he's there serving Saul. But from, from the moment that he kills Goliath, something changes. King Saul was incredibly jealous and people were, would be singing a song that they would say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And soon as Saul heard that song and realized that people were starting to fall in love with David, he became very jealous to the point where he started actively looking for ways to kill David. At first, he did it secretly. He wasn't trying to be so overt about it. He was trying to do it uh, kind of in a covert way. But it got to the point where he, he was so desperate to kill David, he, was, he, he didn't care who knew. He was just wanting this young man to be dead. So David has to eventually run away and hide. And uh, today I want to look at the story of David dwelling and living in this cave, uh, Adullam. And uh, here's uh, here's where we'll start today. 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. And then others began coming. Who were these men? High character, high quality people? Not really. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of of about 400 men. He eventually becomes, uh, they, they keep, men keep joining him, and he eventually has about 600 men under his command. But when he goes into the cave, he has about 400 sort of rascals with him. You know what I'm saying? People that were in trouble, people who were just, you know, that, that, uh, that sort of uh, individual was attracted to David. They actually said that King Saul at that point was starting to apply taxes in a more serious way, and everybody who didn't want to pay the tax ran to the cave of Adullam to hide with David. So, and I know we all love to pay our tax, so you can understand, can't understand, I should say, why people would do that, but they did. So here he is in a cave with 400 sort of, uh, I would say, dysfunctional, disconnected, Dis, disenfranchised sort of people. And uh, he, it's believed that David and these men lived in this cave for somewhere in the range of three to six months. And while he was on the run from Saul, he wrote at least eight psalms. There's, some are questionable where, uh, when he wrote them, but there's at least eight that he wrote while he was in that cave. 
And I just want to look at two today, and I promise we'll be done by 11, okay? Uh, and everyone said quietly, amen. Or just keep going, Pastor, because it's so good. But anyway, so we'll, we'll be done, don't worry. So he, he's been anointed king already, too, by the way. Saul had been abandoned by God, and told, uh, God told the, the prophet Samuel, go to uh, the house of Jesse, and I'll show you which guy to, to anoint. And so it's a long story, and he anoints David as king. So he's already anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king, but now he has to wait 15 years. This is where the sheltering comes in. He has to wait about 15 years before he actually does become king. And in those 15 years, a lot of that time, he's being chased and uh, hounded, and his life is being threatened by the most powerful king on the planet. So it's not exactly a good time for David. While he was in that cave, he wrote this psalm, Psalm 142, and if you could put it up for me, this is what he wrote. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. His experience in the cave teaches us how to handle life at its darkest moments. And uh, that's what I want to get into today. So all that was just setting you up, all right? Now, you feel set up? Help me out now. I've been preaching alone for a long time. It's lovely to have you here. So talk to me and help me, all right? Okay. So, and if you're at home, say amen, shout glory, do something, participate, all right? Here we're in this together. So Psalm 142, he has this experience in the cave, and it, I just want to look at things that David did that will help us deal with life at its darkest moments. Number one. David prays, he prays. So this psalm starts by he cries out to God. It says, in sincere prayer. Remember, he's this godly young man. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to serve his father. He's trying to serve his king. He's trying to serve his country. And yet here he is stuck in a cave with a bunch of rascals being hounded by the king, treated like he was a criminal feeling like this isn't right and this isn't fair. He would later, of course, understand the character shaping that's going on that this experience was giving him. But at, this, at the time, he's just miserable, all right? He's just absolutely miserable. His words, his prayer, and this psalm, much of it, it's so raw and real. And I want you to get that because I think it's an important, uh, an important component to prayer. He pours out his complaints. He tells God 
all of his troubles. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't try to make it better than it is. He was literally learning how to pray and learning how to be real with God. He was learning how to tell him exactly what he was feeling and, and, and not feel bad about it. Have you ever, you really want to say something to God, but then sometimes, you know, your manners hold you back? God just wants you to let her go. It's not like he doesn't know what you just thought. Okay? Just let it go. And David is learning how to do that. He's, he's in a bad way. He's afraid. He is very unhappy, and he is pleading for mercy. Psalm 142.4. Put this verse up for me, and just look at this again. This has been called, by the way, by several uh, theologians as maybe the saddest verse in the entire Bible. Read this verse. Look at this. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me, and no one cares a bit what happens to me. Does that not scream depression to you? He's, he, he is not in a good mental state it's a very, very sad, sad verse. He's feeling utterly and totally alone, even though he has more than 400 people with him in the cave. And isn't that interesting? And it got me thinking, a crowd cannot take the loneliness out of our hearts. It will never happen. You look around, I've been doing this a long time, and people that live in big cities and large towns, we, we're surrounded by others, but yet a lot of people feel desperately alone. It seems a, a, a bit of a, 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 a sort of a conundrum that's hard to understand, but yet it's true. But you know, you know what it does? Why, why we feel alone sometimes? This is what problems do for us. This is what David's problems were doing to him. They were making him feel isolated. They were making him feel all alone. And our problems can do the same thing. And it, they, they drive us away from people. You know, when you're just moping and you're feeling lousy and I can walk a little bit more, right? Nod, right? Yes, Lyndon? Yes, he's nodding. Okay. Don't lose me out there in streaming land. All right, listen, he, this is what our problems do, right? They make us feel isolated. They, they drive us at times to stay away from people and to stay away from God. We just hunker down into our hole and we just sort of just try to deal with it on our own. But listen, check this out. We cannot let our circumstances drive us inward. They must drive us upward right? Make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that your circumstances don't drive you inward. Let them drive you upward no matter what. David, excuse me, David's on the run. He's feeling overwhelmed. He's feeling all alone, and he's learning how to pray honestly. He's learning how to, to pray deeply. He's learning how to express his innermost thoughts to God. And I, I had the thought, maybe David is called a man after God's own heart because he's so willing to share his. He was so willing to share his heart with God, and he wanted to hear God's heart so bad. And I think that was one of the strengths of David's life. 
What David feels is what David says. And it's, it's kind of an awesome way to pray. That prayer, I was thinking, should be a no-holds-barred, straight-ahead communication with God. Now, we are in a time of COVID, and one of the things we're told to do is wash our hands and sanitize everything. Let me tell you and proclaim today, there's one thing you should never sanitize, your prayers. Don't sanitize them. Don't make them politically correct. Don't make them sound fancy and kind and good. When you're feeling real and raw, let it go. He wants them to he wants you to express yourselves that way. Don't sanitize your prayers. God can handle it raw and real. He wants us to pray like this. He wanted David to express himself. He knew how he was feeling. And isn't it amazing that God knows it all? but still wants us to pray? And he says, not only pray, but keep praying. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. But God, I asked yesterday. Ask again. But you already know. Ask again. You know, There's sometimes in prayer that we leave something with God that we can't get obsessed with it. But there are times when God calls us to just press in. Press in. Why? Why does he keep asking us to pray and pray and pray again? David prayed with this authenticity that served him so well. And I believe that that cave experience, and it, when he was on the run from Saul, it, it helped him to pray the rest of his life. And I want to give you an example later in his life. He wrote Psalm 62 when he was king years later. If you put up for me uh, verses 1 to 8, this is, what he, this is what he wrote. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, check this out, take this verse to heart. O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. Just let it go and say it. For God is our refuge. He learned how to pray. I just think that that cave experience never left David. He learned how to pray and it stuck with him all the years later. When we pray and when we do it honestly, there's a release from the burden that we're carrying. I ask the question, why does God want us to pray even though he knows? It's not sometimes for his sake, it's for yours. Amen? That there's a release from the burden that you're carrying. That it's good for us to unload our problems on the maker of heaven and earth. He can handle it. We have a savior whose patience has no limits. He, he, his love cannot be exhausted and his mercies have no end. 
So go ahead and express your pain, express your frustration, express your impatience, express your confusion. Be real when you pray. David was real when he prayed, and I encourage us to do the same. Second, David trusted. David trusted. In verse 3, he says, he says these words, I am overwhelmed, but you alone know the way that I should turn. And as you read through this psalm, you begin to get this sense that as David is pouring out his heart, he begins to realize who he's talking to. He, it begins to dawn on him that, that God is at work that he did promise to make me king, that I am, in, you know, I am in his hand, that he can be trusted, that he is a God who does not lie, that I can look to him for help and rescue in times of trouble. Look what he said in verse 5. Put it up for me. 142 verse 5. He said, Then I pray to you, O Lord, I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Isn't that awesome? See, notice his praying is beginning to do something in his spirit. It's beginning to lead him out of discouragement. It's beginning to get him out of the cave in his mind. He's beginning to walk into a place of trust. He's beginning to say, yes, my circumstances might not have changed at this very moment, but you are my refuge, you are my hope, and I know you're going to get me out of this mess. He begins to turn his face. He begins to, to walk in this place of trust. You're all I really want, God. You're all I really want. And if we trust God with our eternity, don't you think we should trust him with this life too? Like seriously. You trust him for heaven. You trust him for eternity. You trust him for all the things that are yet to come that you have no understanding of then why can't we trust him now? This is the issue. So later David would write these words, uh, maybe one of his most famous psalms, Psalms 23, Psalm 23, verse 6, and he said these words, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. See, God's goodness and his love, he says, that you're going to pursue me all the days of my life. And one day when this life is over, I will be with you forever. I can trust you now, just like I can trust you for life beyond the grave. He's learning. See, there's trouble all around him, but trust begins to rise in his heart. God is good. He does not lie. And he is going to, he's going to play this out in my life. He's going to come to my rescue. And so, the, so here's the point quickly, and then we're going to move on. But if David can learn to trust deeper while he's on the run, while he's trapped in a cave, while his life is under threat, we can learn to trust too while we go through our difficult days. Somebody said yes. Trust. David trusted. Third point, last point, David praised. David praises. This is what he does. Look at verse 7. Put it up for me. 142, verse 7. He says this, Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly are going to crowd around me. I think he's looking at the guys in the cave. He's, he's thinking, 
The godly need to crowd around me. One day they're going to. One day they're going to crowd around me, Lord. Why? Because I know you're good. I know you're good. You see, this is David beginning to praise. Now, so check this out now. David's praying has led him now into a place of trust, and I believe now it leads him into a place of praise. He's moving from despair to hope. There, and let me just say this too. There's this natural connection between prayer and praise. I don't know if you've ever realized it. You probably have sort of without even thinking about it. But there's a natural connection between prayer and praise. Um, and you can write this line down. This, this is good for a Facebook line this week, Pastor Jordan. You can pray your way to praise. How about that one? You can pray your way to praise. So you can pray your way right through to praise. How about that? David's praying has helped, and, and, uh, and it's helped to release the pressure that he's feeling. It's helped to relieve the fear and the isolation that he was feeling. He's feeling like he, he was feeling like he was trapped in a prison, but now he says, I'm ready to praise you, Lord. I'm ready to thank you. I know what you're going to do in my life. There's one other psalm, well, there's several other psalms that he wrote in that cave, but one other one that I wanted to bring to your attention today. Psalm 57 is another, another psalm that he wrote. And just before we read it, I just want to explain. It's a song, okay, that he wrote. It's a song. It, it has two verses and a chorus, as we would understand it. And uh, so he would sing verse one and then sing the chorus, and then he would sing verse two, and then he would then he would sing the chorus again. And uh, so verse 1 to 4 is the first verse. Verse 5 is the chorus. And then verses 6 to 10 is the second verse. And then he repeats the chorus again in verse 11. You see that pattern sort of throughout Scripture more than once. But here's one of those times that he did. He wrote this Psalm 57 while he was in the cave. Okay, this is what's important when we're talking about he began to praise and he was moving from despair to hope. He wrote these words, put it up for me, he wrote this song in Psalm 57. Have mercy, here's verse one. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me disgracing those who hound me. Remember that he's in the cave, okay? That's how these words become more meaningful. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows and whose tongues cut like swords. But here's the chorus. Verse five. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens, and may your glory shine over all the earth. Then he goes into verse two. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. 
For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. And now he circles back to the chorus again and says, Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens and may your glory shine over all the earth. When you read, I, I, just, I wanted to point that out to you because when you are reading Psalm 142, and looking at David's life as he experiences life in this cave on the run. You have got to connect Psalm 142 with Psalm 57. Because they're connected. One, he, he's pouring out his life. He's broken. He's hurting. He's wounded. He's alone. And, and as he begins to pray, trust begins to infiltrate his spirit. Praise begins to return into his brain and into his heart. And then he sits down and he writes Psalm 57, a song that was sung, maybe even gathered all those rascals in the cave and said, I'm going to teach you a song today, church. And they sang it with amazing reverb inside a cool cave. His praying led him to trust and his praying also, I believe, led him to praise. There's a connection there. So we, we got to discover the value of telling God how we feel when we're stuck in a cave experience. We have to tell him how we're feeling. Honest prayer, when it's done honestly, I believe you see in the life of David, and we've all experienced it on some measure in our own life, honest prayer will help lead you to trust, and it'll help lead you to praise. See, praise is too important to be left out of our lives. It's really, really important. There's something transformative that happens in us when we praise. Something unique happens. This is why it's good to gather, to sing the songs, even humming them through a mask. For there is something powerful about just being in the presence of God with God's people and letting the worship envelop our soul. There's something transformative about that. It happens, there's something wonderful that happens in us when we praise. And when we choose to praise God because of who He is, instead of what our circumstances are, then good things begin to happen in our lives. We'll begin to lose our discouragement and our darkness and our depression and our worry and our anxiety. It'll start to be replaced with, I can trust Him because He's good. Hallelujah! I'm going to praise God because He's wonderful. And as you begin to do it, right how you know, you know it's true. A lifting begins to occur. The, the load gets lighter. Something changes in the spiritual realm. God ministers to you in a powerful way. We can't neglect praise. Even in COVID, praise God. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. And so as we praise... We're reminded about who we serve. We're reminded of God's love. We're reminded of His power. We're reminded of His goodness. We're reminded of His grace. He, we, we're reminded of who it is that we're praising, who it is that we're talking to, who it is that we're singing about. He's a God who does not lie. He can be trusted. He should be served. He is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of our service. He is worthy of our praise. He 
has saved us. He has changed us. He has helped us. He has blessed us in every way. There is no one like him. No one deserves praise like our God. That's good. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Just say it through your mask. Say, praise God. We praise you, God. We don't need to sing. Just say it. It's just got to come from here. This is what counts. He is lovely. He is awesome and good. He is worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Thank you, O oh God. Shokana. You are good and worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, just, we're just going to just pause. I'll, I'll wrap up in one second, but just pause. If you're at home, just say something to him participate. Say your praise to him today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Come on, just express the fruit of your lips to him today, that you are good, that I trust you. If I'm walking through a cave experience, you are still almighty God. I will bless you and love you. I will serve you. I will trust you. You are a God who will get me out. You are a God who will pull me through. You are a God who will get me to where I need to to go. I am your child. You know how to look after your own. And I need, Lord, you in my life. I need you to pray. I need to praise you. And I need you to come. There are so many wounds and hurts in our world and in our lives. Let praise be a weapon against depression. Let praise be a weapon against darkness and discouragement. Let it lift you to a place in God that only praise can get you there. He is worthy, and whether you feel like it or not, He's still worthy. Whether your situation is lousy, He's still worthy. Whether your your circumstance stinks, He's still worthy. And as we praise... As we lift up our voice, there's a lifting, there's a lifting, there's a lifting. Even somebody who was abandoned by God, an evil spirit comes on King Saul. David steps in the room and begins to say, God, you're good. The enemy must flee and leave. He can't stay in the room. There's power in it. Oh, God. Oh, God. True worship, it's never based on our circumstances. Don't let your circumstances dictate how you praise. We praise because of who God is. Our circumstances are going to change, folks. They're going to be up one day and down the next. We're going to have a good day and a bad day. We're going to go through a good season and a lousy season. But our God is the rock, a refuge. As Larry said, He's the rock that does not roll. He is the same and still loves us, still with us. He is still for us. 
And if God be for us, who can be against us? It was going to be a long journey. I got to, I got to wrap up. It was going to be a long journey. I just included a whole pile of stuff that weren't in my notes there, Pastor Jordan. But you, you, uh, all right. <laughs> it was going to be, it was going to be a long journey, but the Lord brought David to the throne. And isn't it a lovely thing that out of David's line was born the Savior of the world? Come on, and his name is Jesus. Is born out of David's line. The man after God's own heart who made a lot of mistakes, who lived in a cave with a bunch of ruffians, who had a real rough start to his leadership. God did something lovely when he brought him out of his time of sheltering. He changed him and made him a great man. See, it's easy to praise God when he gives you victories over lions, when he gives you victories over giants. Easy to praise God when all the people are singing your praise and telling you that you're wonderful. Easy to praise in those days. But it's not so easy to praise when you're in the middle of a dark cave. And David learned that lesson. He learned it. Setbacks are going to come. And they can even cause us to wonder, and this may just resonate with somebody here today. Setbacks are going to come, but I, I was thinking, they, they, this is what setbacks can do to us. They can actually cause us to wonder if our earlier victories ever really happened. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you have a setback and you go, what? And all of a sudden, all the earlier victories, all the things that God had done that you, that you know are true, all of a sudden, in, a, in that moment, they're gone. And all you see is the disappointment, the setback. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe that was just a fluke. Maybe he didn't really do that for me. Maybe I, was, I ate too much pizza or something and I thought he did it. Like, you know what I'm saying? We all get there, but let me encourage you today. Setbacks are going to come. They may cause you to wonder if your earlier victories ever really happened, but I want you to know you need to hang on to every victory that God has ever given you in life. Hang on to it. Don't let it go. It is powerful and important part of your personal journey in your walk with God and something that you can run back to in the times of the dark cave. When you're walking through a dark cave, you look back and say, yeah, Lord, but I remember what you did. I, I, may be, I may be real hard up now, but I remember what you did 10 years ago to get me out of that hole. I remember what you did two weeks ago. I remember what you did last month. I'm not going to let the enemy steal your victories from my life. They are a part of my testimony and a part of what keeps you strong in God. He gave you those victories. They're yours. They're yours. So listen, when life gets hard, and problems get too big, you're going to get tempted to run away. But you can't run away. You must run to Him. Don't run away. Don't let your problems drive you inward. Let them drive you out upward. Why would we ever abandon the only one who can lift us up? 
You'll never get better staying in that hole, moping and whining and complaining. You've got to start giving it to the Lord. You've got to let prayer lead you to the place of trust, lead you to the place of praise, and watch what good things begin to happen when you start moving in the right direction. So life is going to get hard at times, but we cannot abandon the only one who can lift us up. And David is such a great example of where to put our faith and how to deal with our dark days. David went into that cave a broken man. He went in on the run for his life. But he came out a better person, a better leader, and better prepared to be a godly king, to lead a nation. God used David after those 15 years on the run to be a mighty man of God. So don't run away from God. I encourage us all, let's run to him. If you're at home today and you don't know the Lord and you're watching this stream or maybe watching this sermon later on this week, always the place to start is Jesus. You have to have Jesus. He is the one that begins to transform your life, to turn you into the person that you can be. You are going to be better with him than you were without him. We have a room full of people that will say amen to that. This is the truth. We're always better with him. If you're going through a dark time and you're watching online today, know this, that you're loved, that you're cherished, that there's a God who is willing to help get you out of the cave, change your life, relieve you of your depression, your discouragement, your anxieties, your addictions, your worries. He is ready to do something great in your life, but you've got to run to him. Not away from him. Run to him. And you'll find that he's waiting with open arms. You'll find that he's waiting to do something great in your life, to relieve you of stress and pressure, to transform you into a better version of yourself. But it must start with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you just ask him like David in a real raw way. You say, I don't know you, Lord, but I need you in my life. Forgive me of anything I've done wrong. Change me. Lift me up out of this dark pit. Change me and help me. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. Get me through this season of COVID. Get this church through this season of COVID. When this lifts, we will be better, stronger, and more anointed than we were when this hit. We will survive and we will thrive. And you can do the same on your own, but you've got to start with Jesus. So if you're watching today, just pray a real, raw, authentic gut prayer. And let's start with that and see where it takes you. All of our contacts are on our website and our emails are there. And all of our staff and people here would be so delighted to meet you, reach out to you, and to help you in any way that we can. David, David, David is a wonderful example to us all of how to walk through difficult days. Let's let his life challenge us to go after God in a deeper way, even when we walk through hard times. God's people said amen. Come on, let's stand together as we close.
Thank you for joining us for our service today. God bless you. We'll continue our Subject to Change series next week and uh, look forward uh, to seeing everybody online again or here in person here at 189 Sandiford, right here in the heart of Stouffville, the greatest corner in town. Yeah. We own the greatest corner in town. That's the truth. Thank you, Lord. Just before we pray and close, if you're at home or here in person, can we just take literally 10 to 15 seconds? Just lift up your voice to the Lord today. Praise Him. It doesn't have to be loud, just loud, soft, doesn't matter. If you're walking through a hard time today, let praise be that weapon that will help lift you up. So we praise you today, Lord. Come on, just praise Him. We thank you, Lord, today. We worship you. You are good. I trust you with my life. I trust you with the plans that you have for my life. I trust you with my children. I trust you with my grandchildren. I trust you with every decision I have to make. I trust you with my finances. I trust you, Lord, with choices, difficult choices that must be made. I trust you, Lord, with the things that are broken in my life. Make me better. Make me stronger. Transform me into a better person, a better version of myself. Lord, come into my life. I worship you, love you, adore you. Welcome your grace and your presence in a fresh way today. Thank you, Father, for all that you are and for all that you've done. So, Lord, we give you, Lord, all of our wounds today. There are wounds and hurts and needs that are represented in this, in this live audience. There's wounds and hurts, Lord, and healings and problems and issues, Lord, in people that are watching online. All of us, Lord, have our thing. But today, we just double down and again reaffirm that you are the rock that doesn't roll. You are our place of refuge. You are our strong tower. You are our rescuer. And in you, we find hope. In you, we find faith. In you, we find strength. In you, we find grace, Lord. Undeserved favor that you will get us through, that you will move us on. And so I ask you today, Lord, for your strength to be poured out on your people. I ask, Lord, for healing in bodies to be done in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord, for finances that need to come, that they would come in Jesus' name. Ask you, Lord, for plans and hopes and dreams that you planted in our hearts, Lord. Make it so in Jesus' name. May we see, Lord, seeds begin to grow out of the ground of the promises that have been laid in us from years past you are good and you are trustworthy and lord we want to move from a place of despair and discouragement into a place of trust and praise and so i ask you today that you would help us to do that bless everybody today with your grace bless everybody today with your peace lord we love you we worship you and we bless you our lives are yours and like david said there's nothing i really want more than you. Nothing I really want more than you. Help that to be true of us too. Lord, bless us and use us this week. Strengthen your people. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 
You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.